Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. I'm going to let you know right now, this morning, the title, before I mention the title of this message, I ask the Lord, why this? Hallelujah. Why this? You would assume that everybody has at least this portion together. But the reality is when you hear the title, you're going to understand. Listen, we're in a day and age now where we all need to come up a little higher, starting with your pastor. Amen? I haven't arrived. I'm not there. Hallelujah. And I say this with humility and with the utmost respect. But we all need to come up a little higher. Amen? And this is the word that I believe is going to challenge this church this morning. Every leader in this place, every woman, every man, every child, in the name of Jesus. Title of my message this morning, The Sin of Prayerlessness. The Sin of Prayerlessness. We're going to read an entire chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm sympathetic to the fact you've been on your feet all morning and it's okay. God will be okay with us sitting down. It's not a legalistic church. We can stand when we want to, but today, believe me, just for you, hallelujah, just take your seats and rest But we're going to read this chapter in its entirety. It's 25 verses long. It's important for us to really get into the heart of where God is taking me this morning. And so we're going to read this chapter in its entirety. I'm giving you a moment to find that in the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Glory to God. If you have it, say amen. Amen. I'm going to begin reading in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the word says, Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you. And I am an old and gray-headed and look. My sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you 
and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witnessed. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and your fathers when Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubabel, Baden, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves then Samuel said to the people do not fear you have done all this wickedness yet do not turn aside from following the Lord but serve the Lord with all of your heart and do not turn aside for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing 
Turn your neighbor and say, that's good advice. Hallelujah. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all of your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, put your seatbelt on. We're going in. Hallelujah. Fasten your seatbelts. Glory to God. It's coming. Hallelujah. This is good medicine. Because Samuel gave some practical advice to the people of God. And if they would only heed the word of the Lord, things will be well with them. It will go well with them. So often we don't listen to the commands of the Lord. We don't pay heed to the things of God. And then we find ourselves in a rut. Or we find ourselves in a disaster. Sometimes the things that we allow to, to enter into our life literally destroys works, destroys our plans, destroys even vision because of our unwillingness to heed the word of the Lord. Now let me give you a couple of things that are very important to understand as we get into this message this morning. Some historical background. Just write in your notes, 1 Samuel 8. The people of Israel, they were ruled by God. God was their Lord and King. They didn't need a king. But all the other nations had their kings. This is the one chosen people of God that God said, they don't need nobody but me. I'm going to defend them. I'm going to rule them. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to give them everything they need. I will supply for them. I will heal them. I will bless them. They will be the head and not the tail. They will be blessed when they go in, blessed when they go out. They will be a lender to many and a borrower from none. All the blessings of God so long as they heed the word of the Lord. God said, I will be their king, but they were not happy with God leading them. They were not happy with Samuel or his two sons who actually were crooked judges over Israel. And they wanted to have a king like all other nations. Why can't we be like everybody else? Why can't we have what we want? Wah, wah, I want a wambalance. Hallelujah. Why can't we have everything else? Why do we have to be different? Why can't we be like the culture? Why can't we be like our neighbors? Why can't we be like everyone else? They have a really cool king. We want a cool king. Samuel, the prophet of God. He had to go before the Lord and say, Lord God, what am I to do? These people are stubborn. These people don't understand that you are Lord of all. 
If you look at that chapter, Samuel 8, 1 Samuel 8, 7 and 8, and verse 9, listen to what the Lord said. These are God's words speaking to, to the prophet Samuel. Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Verse 9, he said, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say, be careful what you ask for. Hallelujah. Give it some thought, people of God. Hallelujah. That beautiful man may not be for you. That beautiful girl may not be for you. Hallelujah. Be careful what you ask for. Maybe a wolf. May be a destroyer sent by the enemy. May look beautiful like Delilah, but have beautiful fingernails and just put them through your locks and lull you into sleep. And then next thing you know, you wake up blind and in prison. That's a sermon for another day. Hallelujah. Samuel told them exactly how their king would rule the people of Israel. He said this king would be a selfish king. He would not be a king that was for the people. This would be a king all for himself. A greed. A person full of greed and, and desperate for power. He will take all manner of possessions from them. He will turn them into slaves for his own household. Your sons and your daughters will be taken to be his slaves. They will work in his vineyards. He will take your sheep, your grain, even your own servants of your own household. And he will take them for himself. But listen what else he says to them. You will cry out to the Lord because of your king. And in that day, the Lord will not hear you. Your prayers won't be answered. You want to know something? If I heard that charge, I'd be like, you know what? I take it back. Hallelujah. Lord, you rule. You the man. I'm with you, Father. Hallelujah. I submit. You know, when, when you hear those words, it should shake you to the core. It should shake your foundation. But they weren't shaken about these warnings. Do you know why? Because the people of Israel were not people of prayer. Did you hear what I said? Listen to this, verse 19 and 20. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Somebody say, spirit of dumb. Hallelujah. You heard all the warnings. You heard what the what the word of the Lord was. You heard that God would not answer your prayers and you still said, nope, we ain't going out like that. We want a king. Give us a king. Let him fight for us. Let him go before us. Samuel did as they requested. Listen, this is the third time in that same chapter, verse 21, God said, 
heed their voice and make them a king. Here we have the prophet Samuel, unquestionably a man of God. He was rejected by his own people. Samuel was a faithful leader. He obeyed God explicitly. We see his life later on when he's dealing with, with Saul. Samuel had been honest with them. He had been loyal. He had been just. He challenged all the people to see if he had defrauded anyone. He said, listen, if there's any evidence of me taking anything from anyone, ox or any sheep, if I've taken money, if I've defrauded anyone, I'll pay you back. Where's the evidence? Does anybody have anything unjust to say about me? They all agreed. Nope. You have been found honest. You have been found loyal and faithful. We have no charge against you. But still they rejected the word of Samuel with the voice of the Lord. Verse 13. In the, in the very opening chapter we read. Now therefore here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note. The Lord has set a king over you. So here's the deal. Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. You understand? He said, you wanted a king? Okay, here's your king. You can have him. I'll set him right up for you. I'll give him everything you want. Samuel offered great advice. In other words, even still, there's hope. Even still, you could come out winning. Even still, in your foolishness, in your wickedness, in your evil intent, you could still come out on top. All you have to do, fear the Lord, serve the Lord, obey His commandments, don't rebel against God. And not only you, but you and your king will flourish forevermore. He will be with you. But if you don't do these things, then the same God that was against your forefathers will be also against you and your king. Then, to make matters a little bit more intact, if you will, Samuel offers up a sign. This is really important. This was a marker, an identification marker so that the people of, of Israel would know that God was not playing with them. God meant business. Samuel said, I'm going to give you a little sign so you could see the disobedience of your life before God. A sign to show your error in asking for a king and not allowing God to lead them. Samuel said, stand right now. Stand here and see this great thing that God is about to do. And he raises his hands and said, Lord, send thunder and rain. Let me tell you, you know, when you look outside and you see sunshine and blue skies and a nice clear day and somebody says, send thunder and rain. And all of a sudden the clouds come in. Boom, 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 boom. And you hear in the, the thunder in the heavens, clapping throughout the heavens, and lightning, and downpour. Listen, you know this is supernatural. 
The weatherman didn't predict it. There was no Doppler radar. It was God. It was supernatural. This should have been a sign for them to be terrified. It even says the people were scared. Thunder and rain came crashing from heaven. They were terrified. Oh my God, what's happening to us? We're going to be destroyed. Let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a hard sleeper, right? Once I get into my sleep, I'm, I'm done. You ain't getting me up. Hallelujah. And when I stop, my wife gets, give me an elbow and start me right back up again. Hallelujah. Woman of God. He's revving up the engine. But listen, one night recently, I was awakened at about 2 or 3 in the morning. There was a lightning bolt that went off. It sounded like it went off in my backyard. It was huge. It was so strong that pictures fell off my wall. Just the sound of the thunder. Boom! I was like, what? You know, Jesus? You know, immediately, you start thinking of Jesus. Something like that happens. You're like, Jesus, is it time to go? Let's do this. Praise God. I'm ready. Is it time? Hallelujah. I don't need nothing. Just take me, bro. Let's do this. I don't need a pack of bag or nothing. I'm ready. Hallelujah. I don't want nothing from this world. I go just the way you got me. Hallelujah. But I was awakened because the thunder was unlike anything I've ever heard before. And I love fireworks shows. I love 4th of July. This thunder was on a whole different level. If you notice, our weather patterns now in this day are changing. We're seeing double tornadoes now. I've never seen double tornadoes before until recently. Now every tornado, double tornadoes, triple, six of them, seven of them, all next to each other. Double rainbows. Everything is like double force. Listen to their response after seeing this, after hearing all of this. Look at what they said to Samuel. Verse 19. And the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all of our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. So here they are, the people of God. They see the signs. They've heard the warnings. They've even heard how they could be delivered even still, how they could be set free. And they're saying, pray to your God. In other words, they recognize their sin. Pray to your God for all the evil that we put on ourselves. They knew that this king would be wicked. How many Christians knew that our current party would be okay with killing children? I, yeah, I said it. And I'm not scared of nobody. I'm telling you the truth. We have a crazy, crazy leadership here. I believe it was taken by defraud, but that's another topic for another day. But I'm not scared to say it. But listen, we're supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're supposed to pray against these things. There are babies dying on our watch. There's all kinds of wickedness and evil in our land. And Christians have come into alignment with the things of the enemy because they didn't like somebody's personality. Listen, be careful what you ask for. I hope you still love me after this one. Hallelujah. 
That's right, it doesn't matter. Praise God. I received that, sister. They recognized Samuel had an intimate relationship with God. They said, pray to your God. Listen, wasn't God the king of Israel? Wasn't God their God too? Pray to your God, acknowledging their sin. Pray to your God that, that we don't die. How many people have made awful decisions destroying their lives and then they ask others to pray for them? They've ruined their marriage, ruined their children, got fired from their job because they refused to pay their rent, uh, uh, fired from work and losing their house, losing their car, repossessions, all of the above. But then they want help. Pastor, pray for me. Fourth quarter, two minutes left in the game. Or for the baseball fans, ninth inning, two outs, three and two pitch. Pastor, need help now. You understand? And, and not, not only that, even when you understand the desperation of, of where you are, the urgency, you still don't want to pray. You ask others to pray for you. It wasn't the others that put you where you are. There will have to come a time in the life of every believer where you put a hand on your own head and pray over yourself. God wants you to level up. Pray, hallelujah. Pray for yourself. Pray for your children. Lay a hand on your own son. Lay a hand on your own daughter. Pray that spirit off of them. I know this is not easy to hear. But there needs to be a holy urgency in the people of God. So oftentimes, we're all guilty of the sin of omission. Or the sin of commission. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. The sin of omission, plainly, James 4.17. It says, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. The sin of commission is a little bit more challenging because that means now, to him that knows to do right but refuses to do it anyway. This is called willful sin intentional sin. I don't care what God's word says. I'm still going to live with this person. We don't need no marriage ring. I don't care what God says. I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do. I don't care what the Lord says. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm my own person. Can't nobody tell me what to do. Only God could judge me and he will. Hallelujah. And then what you're going to do. Hallelujah. The sin of commission is a wicked sin. There is a need for repentance among the people of God. Where is the need for redemption? Where is the yearning for God? Where is the urgency in the lives of the believers that says, listen, I've been doing it wrong for a long time. It's time for me to rise up, come up a little higher. It's time for me to go before the Lord and say, God, it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my brother, not my father, not my cousin, not Junebug, not Papo. Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, God. I alone have committed this great sin against thee. I alone have failed thee, oh God. Wickedness has filled my heart. Lord, have mercy on me. Do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 
Create a right spirit in me that I may be whole again. Instead, can you pray for me? Yo, I need a prayer. My life is jacked up. My life is destroyed. And I did it to myself. Hallelujah. I didn't need no help. Can you throw up a prayer to your God because I don't have a relationship with him? Can you ask your God to look out for a brother? Can you ask God to let me hold a dollar so I could pay my rent? How about that? Can you pray? Because I know you're in with God. I know you and God got a cool thing happening. You're connected. But I know my evil, my sin. God ain't hearing me right now. So can you pray for me? This is where we are now, church. We have to understand prayer is going to change your circumstance. Prayer will change you more than your circumstance will change you. You'll begin to see the power of God, the, the forgiveness of God, the redemptive glory of God. You begin to see yourself get washed by the blood of the Lamb and never be the same again. And even when the tax man is after you, you don't care. Even when anybody's after you, you don't got no gas in your car. You don't care. There ain't no food in your fridge. You don't care because you know it's on the way. Hallelujah. Because God's favor is upon his people when they repent before God and start walking in righteousness and holiness. It's so simple, a caveman could understand that. Hallelujah. Max Lucado, he says, did God call us to preach without ceasing or to teach without ceasing or have committee meetings without ceasing or sing without ceasing? No, but he did call us to pray without ceasing. John Wesley, he said, prayer is the one power on earth that commands the power of heaven. Glory to God. Think about this. Last week, the message for those that were here, we spoke about rejoicing and answered prayer. How sweet it is to get an answer from the Lord, a response to your heart's cry Hallelujah. Where you have victory, where there's action, you hear and you feel and you sense the presence of God. So many people don't receive answers to their prayers simply because they don't pray. God can't answer the prayer that isn't prayed. Hallelujah. Samuel, even Samuel knew that prayerlessness was unacceptable. He said in verse 23, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for, for you. What can we learn from this surprising statement? All right, here we go. Prayerlessness, we have to start there, is sinful. Prayer is one of the greatest privileges in the life of a believer, in the life of a disciple, a follower of God. Prayer releases power. It's like a speeding bullet. Boom, your direct connect, your next help. Hey, Jesus, you there? Yep, I'm here, son. What do you need? I need to have some time with you. Bring it. What you got? Yo, next help, direct connect, right to God. Bam. They don't have that anymore, right? We, they, still have, they still have direct connect. Now it's gone. Now you just pick up the phone. 
I had a direct connect. My wife and I survived with those. The kids used to be acting up, and she would say, yo, you need to talk to these kids. They're bugging. I said, what are they doing? They're jumping off the bed. They're doing this. I said, boom. Say, AJ, Alec, I see you jumping off the bed. You better get it together. When I come home, what does this smell like? What is this? What does this smell like? And they were like, little kids. That next cell helped us. Hallelujah. Prayerlessness is sinful. Our power comes in our communication with God. Prayer is one of the greatest untapped resources in the life of every Christian. We pray. Many of us pray. But we do these little prayers. We don't really get intimate. We don't spend no time. We don't really want to get into the thick of it. Hallelujah. We just say what we got to say. We put in our order and we bounce. Lord God, I need this. I need that. I need this. Help me out. Your brother needs a new pair of shoes. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace out. And we're out. But doesn't God get a chance to talk back? Doesn't, isn't dialogue between two people, that means one person speaks, the other person's listening. Then the other person speaks, and now the other person's listening, and you take turns. Isn't that how dialogue is supposed to be? The reality is it's a wonder why more people don't pray. I'm about to say something, and I'm probably going to get some hate mail for what I'm about to say. But I'm not scared. Send all your hate mail to specchurch at gmail.com, and I will happily answer your hate mail. But listen to what I'm about to say. Prayerlessness is practical atheism. Prayerlessness is practical atheism. If we say we believe in God, but we don't pray, we are essentially a practical atheist. We will only submit, we will only obey, we will only do those things to the person we believe in. To not pray is essentially not believing in God or not believing that he's going to hear your prayer, is to believe that prayer doesn't work or it's a waste of time. That's why people would not pray. They think God is not listening. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of my energy. Listen, we have to understand that prayer is an act of faith. It's a verb. It's an action word. We speak to God because we believe that he's hearing us. Faith. We pray to God because we believe that our prayers are being heard and they're going to be answered. We pray because God has invited us to do so. That means you have to believe. Hallelujah. Consider the examples in Scripture. Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Matthew 9, 37 through 38, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. Matthew 18, 19 and 20, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Hallelujah. People of God, prayer moves the heart of God. Let us remember the early church in Acts 4.31. It said, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. The walls and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. That is power. Thousands of people coming to Jesus Christ the same day. That's power. That's intimacy with God. Prayerlessness robs us of our blessings. James 4.2. It says, you lust and do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You go without so much in life simply because you refuse to include God in your plans. Listen, this is the truth. Asking and receiving are the joys of the Christian life. Jesus himself said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it will be open to you. The door will be open for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. God desires to give his children many things. Luke 9, it says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love this verse, Luke 12, 32. I would highlight this in your Bible. Hallelujah. Do not fear. These are Jesus' words. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Pray without ceasing. Saints of God, we need to develop a lifestyle of prayer. It's part of our spiritual discipline. Hallelujah. Like Brother Brandon was saying earlier, before your feet hit the ground. Listen, if you're anything like me, once my feet touch the floor, I'm off to the races. And I don't come back to like 1130, 12 o'clock at night. Like I'm all day. I'm flying all day. But once your feet hit the floor, sometimes your day gets so hectic that you don't have time to pray. You don't want to include God in your prayer. You just focus on getting things done. It's important to develop this prayer life. Prayer is going to make you sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is going to allow the gifts of the Spirit to be in full operation in your life. Prayer is going to unlock the power of God into the life of every believer. You do not need to pray for hours, hallelujah, to get results. People think, well, pastor, that means I got to get up extra early. I got to get up at four in the morning to pray for two hours before I can take a shower and get to work. No, just pray. Start there. Five minutes, two minutes. If you could only muster up 30 seconds, give 30 seconds, the first 30 seconds of your day unto God and work from there. Start from there. Give God the first breath of your life when you open your eyes. Hallelujah. 
Matthew 6, 7, it says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. It's wonderful when you could pray for an hour. It's wonderful to be in God's presence when you say, you know what, I'm going to take my watch off. I'm just going to pray. And then you put your watch back on. You're like, whoa, hour and a half? Just went by? Praise God. That's wonderful. But let's be realistic. Not everybody prays an hour and a half a day. But pray. Pray. Start somewhere. Build up to it. And even when you're out on the car, pray in your car. When you get to work, pray at your desk. When you get to the lunch or water cooler, pray at the water cooler. Keep the engine running all day long. Listen, last week we were talking about a little prayer. Our small prayers are literally death-defying prayers. Remember last week's testimony, an Ecuadorian prison was about to go into all-out war. They began to call on the people of God to pray. We all came together to pray. Just a few minutes here, the ladies prayed. Marlon and I prayed. His whole family prayed. Just a few little prayers. And the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And that prison turned into a worship service in the yard. Your prayers are powerful and they are effective if you can believe and you can begin to pray. James 5.16, it says, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We see in scripture, Elijah comes onto the scene. The very first thing he says, he declares a drought for, for years. He said, it shall not rain in the land and for three years there was no rain and later on we see he has a fight with the prophets of Baal and he does what God calls him to do and then right after that he prays again and it's now coming down like buckets why would we choose not to have a regular prayer life with God in heaven it might be because there's a crafty and sinister enemy who tells us it's not worth it your prayers are not going to be heard. Lies. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, people of God, when you begin to pray, you are the tormentor to the enemy. When you begin to pray, the enemy flees and runs away in terror. When you start to pray, when you ignite the engine, you are a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of darkness. And you will send them out. Hallelujah. Whoa, she's praying. Run for your life. Run for cover. Take cover. We got to come back when she's not praying anymore. If we try to mess with her right now, she's going to bind us and cast us out. Saints of God, real prayer is life-changing. Glory to God. I can hear the Lord oftentimes say in my spirit, if my people would only pray. If my people who are called by my name would only pray. I could hear God said, if the mighty men of God would only pray. Hallelujah. And I say it because it's important. Women are more relational. They find it a little bit easier to get into God's presence. But men, you got to work at it. It is a spiritual discipline. But when you work on your prayer life, everything gets into alignment. Everything gets back into order. The very power of God will be released 
in your life. Your faith will grow. Your discernment will grow. Your spiritual gifts and your anointings will flourish. And you will be a blessing to your family, to your wife, to your children. How about this? To your church, you will be a blessing to your pastor. I need you to begin to pray. Hallelujah. Where we're headed, I need people of prayer. The gym is good. It profits for a little. But spiritual discipline takes us to the next level. Hallelujah. But I'm getting my gym on too. Hallelujah. I'm going to eat more celery and carrots, sister. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I'm going there. Listen, the same way we have spiritual discipline in the spirit, we also need to have spiritual discipline in the flesh. Amen. John Bunyan from the 1600s, he says, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Saints of God, you literally can change your life through prayer. John Wesley, all who desire the grace of God are to wait for it first in the way of prayer. He also said prayer is the most useful of all pastimes. Listen, this useful tool sometimes robs the believer of quality time with God. If you reach for your phone the first thing in the morning before you talk to the Father in heaven, you've got a problem. Hallelujah. You may be addicted to this thing. And the devil may be using this thing to keep you distracted from the things of God. I'm not saying that the cell phone is the devil. Amen. So don't start thinking I'm being religious on you here. But I am saying anything, anything that keeps you from the presence of God is not a good thing. So many of us scroll hours, hours on Facebook. If you have an iPhone, it gives you a report every week. You use 13 hours. You use 25 hours. You, how much hours are you praying? I mean, if we had a Facebook report or whatever, some digital report, a prayer report, you prayed for one minute and 18 seconds this week. Your effectual, effectual fervent prayer was two minutes and 39 seconds. Your Facebook scrolling was 27 hours and 38 minutes and 52 seconds. Something's wrong. Amen? Don't hate on me. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the funny thing is those with 25 hours of Facebook time and Instagram and all that TikTok reels and all the other stuff, they're the ones that say, man, I wish I had more time to be in the presence of God. Man, my day is so busy. I wish I had more time to be with the Lord. Put your phone, turn it off. Put your phone back. Put it in your back pocket. You'll see how much time you have to be with the Lord. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.14. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Our enemy is terrified when God's people start to rise in prayer. Prayer renders him powerless, defeated. 
Andrew Murray said, unless I am on my knees, I cannot live in his love. Also, there is only one way that I can love my enemies by the love of Christ sought and found in prayer. Listen, a prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless pastor is a powerless pastor. Prayerless leaders are powerless leaders. Prayerless Christians, listen to this one, are useless Christians. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that was good. That hit me in the gizzard, hit in the gut. Hallelujah. Mm. John Wesley said, God grant that I may never live to be useless. Prayerlessness keeps the church from having real revival. Psalm 85, 6, you, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Saints of God, if we're not praying for the church, if we're not praying for the brethren, if we're not praying for ourselves, for our children, for our families, if we're not going before the Lord seeking his face, we will never see revival in this house. I believe we're getting there. We're on our way. We're seeing growth. We're seeing wonderful things. We're seeing people getting healed of diseases, terminal illnesses. We're seeing miracles. But it's not enough. Hallelujah. It's not enough. I want more. Hallelujah. And you were created for more. You're essential to God's plan. But you cannot be essential if you're not praying. Demons tremble when the people of God come together. That's it. Let's go. Come on. Wait, we got a sister in trouble. We got something. No, no, no. Come on. Come on. Hold hands. We start praying. We literally bring heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. We have a power that we don't often use. D.L. Moody, he said, every great work of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Sammy Tippett said prayer places the disciple in a position to turn the kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. For prayer can move the glory of God into the hearts of man and women. Remember Jesus himself, before every single miracle, he separated himself to pray. He was never caught by surprise. I'm coming to a close very soon. Hallelujah. Prayerlessness, this is my first close, hallelujah. Prayerlessness may indicate that we are unwilling to forgive. Prayerlessness really affects our ability to forgive. Samuel, as we have talked about earlier, he might have felt justified to not pray for God's people. They had rebelled against God. They had rebelled against his leadership. They had rejected him in favor of their own king. He had every right, every reason to say, that's it. I leave them to their own devices. I'm not going to pray for them. But this prophet of God showed his spiritual maturity. He pushed aside his personal feelings. He pushed aside his personal emotions. He didn't need a wambalance. 
He said, I'm just going to leave them, Lord God. I'm going to pray for them. He said, to cease praying for them would be to sin against God. Listen, people of God, don't let stubbornness of others prevent you from seeking God on their behalf. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in the foolishness, the behaviors of others. Even Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Hallelujah. Here is my second closing. Hallelujah. For those that are paying attention. Who is willing to set aside their feelings and forgive those that have hurt you, those that have wounded you, those that despise you, those that talk about you like a dirty dog. As soon as you leave the room, those that are sharpening the knife, when they're mm, 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 sharpening them, and when you turn, mm, 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 got six knives in your back. Yeah, those people. How many are willing to pray for them? That's a challenge, all right. Hallelujah. How many people are willing to let it go and say, I'm not bigger than God. I'm not going to get there. I'm going to just let it go and pray for them. Far be it from me to cause this sin against thee, oh God. I'm going to pray for those people. They need prayer. How many people are going to start believing that God is actually hearing our prayers? How many are going to start to increase their prayer life if they don't have one now? How many are going to begin to trust God and begin this communication relationship with the Father? How many are going to start asking big, expecting big answers to their prayers? I don't just want little help. I want big things, oh God. I'm praying for a 10,000 square foot building. A place where we could come and worship God in spirit and truth. I'm praying for a fellowship hall, a nursery, a classroom, a conference room. How about this? A prayer room that is saturated with the, the presence of God, the spirit of God. That when you walk in, it goes whoosh. You fall on your knees and you start worshiping God. I'm praying for a kitchen, for a refrigerator to put lettuce and tomatoes and celery and carrots in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. I'm praying for a parking lot that's paved and striped and lights. Hallelujah. I'm praying for big things. I'm believing God to provide the money. At minimum, a million-dollar building. Minimum. And we, we could do this. Aren't we children of the Most High? We don't have to worry about money. That's God's problem. That ain't my problem. All I have to do is speak the vision out. Speak it out. Let the angels take flight with that report. That's it. The rest is up to God. He'll give us the strategy. He'll give us the wisdom. He'll give us the provision. He'll make a way. He'll make a river run through the desert. Hallelujah. 
And then when people see us moving in, they say, how did this little church make that? You know why? The power of God. When God's people start praying, things happen. When God's people come together and seek the face of the Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing shall be impossible for them that believe. It's glory time. Here's my third closing. Before I close, when you pray, I give you anything you want, woman. Anything you want. Hallelujah. You belong to me. Hey. All right, all right, all right. I'm not going there. Hallelujah. Praise God. When you pray, be sincere. How about that? Don't try to fake it till you make it. God knows your heart. God knows your motives, your intentions. Be sure that your heart is right before God. God can see through impure motives. God can see through a contaminated heart. A lady once said, as my five-year-old son and I were headed to McDonald's one day, we passed by a car accident. Usually when we see something terrible like that, we say a prayer for those that might be hurt. So I pointed and said to my son, son, we should pray. And from the back seat, I heard his earnest little request. Please, God, don't let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's. <laughs> little Johnny had a birthday coming up. I love this one. He wanted a bike, but he's been so terrible in school. So his Christian mom tells him, listen, Johnny, write a letter to God and tell him why he deserves or why do you deserve to get a bike she obviously wanted little Johnny to reflect on what he has done. So little Johnny takes a pen and paper. He opens up the pad and he starts to write. Letter number one, it says something like this. God, I've been a good boy. And he looks, he says, nah. Rips it up. Letter number two. God, I've been okay this year. Rips it up. Number three. God, I know I haven't been good, but I promise if you give me the bike, I'll be good. Nah, rips it up. Finally, little Johnny gets an idea. He asks his mother, Mom, can I go to church? His mother cheerfully replied, Sure, Johnny. Just be back home before dinner. Johnny goes to church and he sees a statue of Mary, the mother of Jesus. He takes it off the wall and leaves a note in its place. Here's letter number four. God, I've got your mama. If you want to see her again, send the bike. Signed, you know who. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> I got your mama. Ransom. Make sure I got a red stripe on it. Hallelujah. Listen, God could see through your phony intentions. God could see through it. Let your heart be sincere. What have we learned, people of God? Very simple. Prayerlessness equals sin. 
You might think you're in great standing with God, but if you're not talking to God, you are sinning against the Father. He desires to have relationship with you. To avoid praying for any reason, simply stated, is sin. Why not release the power of God today by simply repenting and starting fresh? Hallelujah. Why not start today? James 4, 8 through 10, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I once heard a story of an organist who was getting ready to play as the church service began. That's a Hammond B3 right there. That's a banging organ. Hallelujah. When he put his hands on the keys, there was no sound. Everyone knew something was wrong, so the pastor quickly got up and led the church in prayer. The janitor was aware of the fact that they didn't plug in the organ. So he went to the organ during the prayer, plugged it in, and wrote a note and handed it to the organist. And the note read, after the prayer, the power will be back on. Saints of God, after you begin to pray, Hallelujah. The power should turn right back on. Hallelujah. Power to do good. Power to do right. Power to serve. Power to love. Power to minister. Hallelujah. Prayer should be essential in the life of every believer. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's take a moment and bow our heads this morning and pray. Amen. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.